Hi out there, everyone, and I want to thank you for joining me for another episode of The Mark Guy Show. This is episode 21, and we are closing in on the U.S. presidential election next week, and things are getting very interesting. And I've titled this podcast, Why Donald Trump Wins, to really lay out my case as to why I think Trump will win. I think things are setting up perfectly for him, and though I really can't say I like it, I don't have a dog in this race. I'm not a fan of either candidate. I probably hate Hillary Clinton as much as any of you out there hate her. I probably hate Donald Trump about as much as any of you out there do, but I'm trying to be an unbiased observer, trying to report what I see, what my opinions are, and I I ultimately think that Donald Trump will win this election. And the polls are flawed. I'm not saying they're fixed, but I think there is a huge stigma out there to say that you openly support Donald Trump. And that comes through when pollsters are talking to people. You know, when you call people, people want to say what they think the pollster wants you to hear. And right now, the more acceptable opinion is to say that you favor Hillary Clinton or that you do not favor anybody at all, rather than saying that you support Donald Trump. So I think the polls do have a flaw in that sense, uh, because I think there's a, there's a bias for people to think that others want them to say that they support Hillary or don't support anybody at all versus saying that they support Donald Trump. Uh, another big factor in this is responding to a poll is very different from actually taking the time to go out and vote. You know, we live busy lives. It does take time to go and vote and really Voting, at least in a presidential election, is an irrational move for the vast majority of us because the chances of us, of of one person, actually shifting the course of the presidential election is small. And I think that's one of the reasons why you see voter turnout so small in presidential elections in the United States because of this reason. So, yes, you may support a candidate and prefer that a certain candidate wins, but I think if there's some sort of excitement brings you out almost that that brings you to irrationality so that brings you to that point where you're willing to make that irrational move to go out and vote there's a lot to be said for that and i think that what you see in trump's rallies obviously that's all anecdotal evidence that's not representative of the u.s population as a whole but there's excitement for donald trump supporters that there just isn't there for hillary clinton supporters and i think that trump's supporters are more likely to be energetic and be willing to make that irrational move. I'm going to say that word again, irrational move to go out and vote, whereas Hillary supporters I do not think are as enthusiastic. I think many more of them are voting for her just because they hate Donald Trump. They hate what he stands for. They say he's a he's a bigot and a racist and a misogynist, uh, you know, whatever, he's an idiot, whatever people are calling him that's what they think and a lot of them are just voting for Hillary because they see her as the only way to stop Donald Trump from getting into office whereas I think more of Donald Trump's supporters yes a lot of them are supporting him because they want to just kind of say F you to the establishment and of course Hillary Clinton is a huge representative of the establishment so that's a big part of it but they're not voting for him just because they hate Hillary Clinton or at least at least a lot fewer of them are So when you have this new news coming out about Hillary Clinton, and I don't think this is enough to necessarily sway somebody 
from saying they prefer Hillary Clinton to now not preferring her because you would already have made up your mind that you don't trust Hillary Clinton, that you don't like her, that you can't find yourself voting for. But what I think it can do, I think this new evidence can keep people home. I don't think it's going to sway undecided voters. That's what people are talking about is undecided voters. But I don't think it's undecided voters that we need to be discussing or need to be talking about. I don't think there are enough of them out there to play that big of a role. I, I just don't believe it. Uh, and, of course, this is also anecdotal. But I don't know anybody that is on the fence as to, oh, I may vote for Donald Trump or I, I may vote for Hillary Clinton. There's nobody on the fence like that. There may be some people that are deciding, oh, should I make the effort to go out and vote this year? But they know which way they lean. Maybe their vote, they're, they're deciding between Hillary Clinton and Jill Stein at the last minute. But even then, I haven't heard anybody making that kind of, you know, that kind of calculation in their head. If anything, they're saying anybody that's supporting Jill Stein already has gotten on her bandwagon. Anybody that's supporting Gary Johnson already has gotten on his bandwagon. I think the the real undecideds that matter are the people that would prefer Hillary Clinton to be president over Donald Trump but may not feel strongly enough about it to actually go out to the polls or the people that would prefer Donald Trump to be president over Hillary Clinton but don't feel strongly enough about it to go out to the polls. And those that are supporting these third-party candidates kind of already have that excitement, that rage against the system to make the irrational move to go out and to vote for a third party. And I don't want to blast voting for a third party because I think you should. I don't think you should vote for the lesser of two evils. I think you should go out and vote for the candidate that represents your interests most. What I'm talking about in terms of irrationality is your vote, you going out and voting is not going to influence who represents you. That's what I mean by irrational. But I think that making your voice heard through voting for a third party is the right move. If you're going to go to the polls, vote for who would best represent you. So I think that's the discussion we need to be having. And I think that's what this new Hillary Clinton news and there's news over in, in Russia as well. Uh, the stock market also is faltering this week. These things are setting up very well for Donald Trump. Uh, first of all, a declining stock market is good news for Donald Trump because he's the real change candidate. And we can lament whether or not you would like change or whether the change that Donald Trump represents is the change that you would like to see. But he is certainly the change candidate. And Hillary Clinton is the four more years of Barack Obama type policies candidate. So a good stock market is good for Hillary Clinton. A bad stock market is good for Donald Trump. And the stock market really for this whole year has been pretty stagnant. Uh, so I think what's going to be for what's going to be at the front of people's minds is what has it done lately because there really hasn't been stark moves up or down besides at the very beginning of the year but that's already probably enough in the past where most people don't even think about that because it was pretty long ago I mean at least in terms of the you know in terms of the mindset of a lot of people's short-term views of the market that's that's long term looking back eight months nine months ten months uh, but really since that dip and then the subsequent rise after that dip to start the year, uh, which is, it was the worst start to the year in the stock market's history. Since then, it's been pretty stagnant been kind of hopping around the same areas. But 
we had the stock market drop below 18,000. The, the, the Dow dropped below 18,000 for the first time since July 7th this week. And obviously that sets up well for Donald Trump. So the Dow closed today, November 2nd, at 17,900, uh, about 17,960. The S&P was at 2097. And where we see the U.S. markets right now is basically right about where they were prior to that drop at the start of the year. So people haven't seen gains over the course of this year. You know, people aren't making big returns on their retirement portfolios or their, their stock market portfolios, whatever they may have where they have exposure to the stock market. They're, they're not making good returns, and you can't make good returns anywhere else. The bond market's a disaster. You can't make any money in, you know, CDs in a bank or in a savings account. So people aren't doing well in terms of investing and making money. Uh, I think there is a lot of pessimism about the labor market. Yes, the unemployment numbers are low, but the labor or the unemployment rate is low, but the labor force participation numbers are low. We have a crisis of able-bodied men not being out in the workforce. Uh, obviously, this isn't anything that's happened this week. These are ongoing trends. This has been the way the U.S. economy has been the last couple of years, and one of the reasons why the unemployment rate is goosed really to, to look better than it actually is. It's kind of a false representation of the U.S. labor markets. But all of those things together, in terms of economic indicators, are playing into Donald Trump's hands. Uh, and if things go this way over the next week, it helps him even more. If you can see a further drop, it'll be out, it'll be out in the news more. People will realize, and people are watching their portfolios. I mean, people, if people realize anything, it's what hits them economically. And so any of us that have a 401k that are, that are checking it or, or, you know, stock portfolios or investment portfolios, a lot of us are checking that every day or, or once a week. And if, if we start to feel pessimistic there, that's far more likely to hit us than anything really happening on the national stage. Another thing that's playing into Donald Trump's hands is this issue in Syria. So this Syrian conflict. And there was a pretty interesting article. I will post it in the uh, on the show page up on my blog. And any podcast aggregator you're using will have the links to this because it'll be part of the description for the show. Uh, but 48% of Russians fear that the Syrian conflict will lead to World War III. And yes, I know this is Russians. But I think that people in the U.S., I think Americans are starting to feel the same way. And has Donald Trump been great on Russia? No, I would not say he's been great. But has he been better than Hillary Clinton on Russia in terms of saying, I'd like to come to a diplomatic solution. I don't want to go to war with Russia. I don't want to provoke Russia. I think Trump has been better than Hillary on that front. And I don't really understand what the mainstream media's obsession with Vladimir Putin and Russia has been, you know, trying to stoke the fires of a conflict between the United States and Russia. I would I would like nothing more than to be friend maybe not friends, close friends with them, but I would love to be able to peacefully coincide in the world, let Russia handle their region, let the US handle our region and let you know let those things sort themselves out 
I don't want Syria turning into a into a World War Three type of situation where two of the bigger militaries in the world are going at it over a country that ultimately for U.S. interests doesn't matter. And I've talked about that on this podcast before, so I won't I won't revisit what I've had to say about Syria and really the whole Middle East. But you know why is the United States in Syria? Why is the United States in Aleppo? I talked about that during the the Gary Johnson gaffe and the whole reaction to his to his gaffe. Because ultimately that really doesn't affect US interests. That doesn't change my life, what's going on in Syria. And so it really should be up to Syria and the countries surrounding it to figure out you know, to figure out a solution to what's going on there. And that's the only way that anything's going to get done. The the US swooping in from the outside where we don't really understand the situation. You know, we don't have interests, and it doesn't make sense for us to be involved there and for us to pick winners and losers in that war. Far too often in these battles, the, the neoconservatives would love you to believe that it's easy to go in and pick the good guys and the bad guys, but it's not. It really is not, and it never has been. Anytime we go in and we, we pick a winner, we think this is a winner, this is the better side, this is the lesser of two evils that lesser of two evils ends up becoming a greater evil than the greater evil was in the first place. So I don't know why we're in Syria. I would like us to be out of Syria. And I think Russia is starting to feel the same way. But obviously they have have more of a vested interest in being there, and I would like to see the U.S. to blink first and to leave. Let Russia figure it out. Let Russia and its neighbors figure it out. And if, if they want to go to war, if, they're, if they want to have a war over there, I do not want the U.S. involved. Do not get the North American continent involved. Because once the U.S. gets involved, then Canada is going to get involved. Keep the North American continent out of it. The Founding Fathers were right on this point that we should not get involved in wars in Europe. And I extend that to now, you know, wars in the Middle East, wars in Asia, really... I mean, that was so far beyond the realm of the United States at the time that they didn't even consider the U.S. wanting to get involved in anything in those other parts of the country, or those other parts of the world. Europe was really the only part of the world that, that mattered in that sense to the United States. Obviously, now it's much more of a global world than it was when the, when the Founding Fathers came about. But getting involved in these foreign wars is bankrupting us. It's sending young, mostly poor men and women off to die and it's distracting us from issues at home that we really need to to solve. It would be one thing if everything was perfect in the United States and we could export that perfection elsewhere. I mean, even then I have kind of a moral issue with trying to impose your way of life on others, but at least then you could make an argument for it. If everything was perfect, then okay, we have this excess money to spend. Uh, at least then I could, it could have some legs to stand on. You could at least have a discussion about this. But when the U.S. is bankrupt, when we are in such trouble domestically too, when you know internal conflicts in the U.S. are are really seemingly at a decades high, and I know part of that's the 24-hour news cycle. Uh, but when so much is going wrong here, we do not need to be involved in these foreign conflicts. And I think if you're looking at what Donald Trump and what Hillary Clinton have said on this issue. Trump has been better. 
and I think Trump is less likely to get the U.S. involved in some sort of World War III type battle type situation with Russia or China, whereas Hillary Clinton and what she said, it, it really scares me. What she said about China, I'm going to post another link from Reuters. Um, I don't have the exact quote, but basically she she threatened China and uh, due to the U.S.'s conflict with China and the South China Sea, saying that we would ring China basically if they challenge U.S. power in that region. Uh, that's scary. She said a lot of negative things about Russia as well and talked about wanting to institute a no-fly zone in Syria which is just asking for a disaster for a, you know, a Russian plane to fly overhead and get shot down by the U.S. and now all of a sudden we have an international conflict on our hands. So she really scares me in that sense. And I think too many people are getting locked into this false notion that the Republican Party is the war party and the, the Democratic Party is the anti-war party. They're both war parties. One, a lot of times one may be less warlike than the other, but in recent times, they've both been very pro-war. They've been pro-war for different reasons a lot of the time, but they've both been pro-war. And they continue to both be pro-war. But I think if you look at which one is now the lesser, which candidate is less warlike, it's Donald Trump. And you, he is a wild card. You never know him getting into office. What is he going to say? Is he going to actually do what he said, said during the campaign trail? Or is he going to be a complete loose cannon? There's always that possibility. And I think he will be somewhat of a loose cannon. I think we can all expect that just based on how he really hasn't been able to be controlled throughout the campaign process. But there's a chance that he could actually be okay. Whereas with Hillary Clinton, you know what you're going to get. You know that she's going to get the U.S. involved in these foreign conflicts. And it's a given. That she's said enough. She's been Secretary of State. She's said enough in public where you know what she is going to do. You know what her positions are on these foreign issues, on these on these foreign policy issues. She will get the U.S. involved in conflicts in the Middle East and ultimately with Russia and possibly even with China as well. And that's the last thing this country needs right now. Donald Trump very well could get into office and do the same things. But with what he said, I think it's far less likely that that happens. I think he's far more likely to say, hey, let's try to come up with a, let's try to negotiate a deal here. Let's, let's try to come to some sort of amicable agreement because I don't want to lose. I don't want to see you lose either. And that's kind of the, the businessman inside of him. And we can criticize Trump for all his business failures as much as we like. But, you know, winner or loser he still thinks like a businessman, and that's the that's the first thing that comes to the mind of uh, comes to the mind of a businessman. How can I go to the table with this other person and figure out something where we both walk away and feel like we won? Because that's the way to get something done quickly and amicably, and you know, not be tied up in arbitration or litigation or anything afterwards, and to come back and do deals in the future. So I think that's ultimately how he would approach things, and there's a better chance that there wouldn't be major conflicts of course like I said I don't think he's going to be good uh, I, I'm not optimistic about a Donald Trump presidency but if we're comparing the two that's what I think the comparison is I think the comparison is between a surely warlike neo you know neocon Hillary Clinton 
versus a less warlike populist type Donald Trump. And you can decide on on which is the lesser of two evils from your perspective. But I think the U.S. people are tired of war. Uh, Hillary Clinton, they're, they're tired of what she stands for. And she stands for what both parties have stood for over the past uh, several presidential terms. You know, George W. Bush, he had a very progressive foreign policy in terms of wanting to go abroad, wanting to spread U.S. democracy abroad. Of course, that was what he said. Of course, there were a lot of other interests as well that, that went into it. It wasn't all noble like that. Uh, but Barack Obama has continued many of the same policies. It's been virtually indistinguishable from what George Bush did. And, of course, people defend Obama or they defend Bush, depending on which side of the Democrat-Republican divide they fall on. But their policies have been very similar, and not just not just in terms of foreign policy, but also domestically. They both had a very progressive big government policy at home and an interventionist foreign policy abroad. But that's what Hillary Clinton represents, is more of the same, you know, more of the establishment American Republic, or the American Republican and Democrat traditions that we've seen now over the past several presidential terms. So, of course, as you can tell, I'm not optimistic about this election, but I think if I if I had to say which way it's leaning now, it would be toward Donald Trump. And I haven't even touched yet on the new Hillary Clinton investigation because I know everybody's talking about that. I don't want to get bogged down by talking about that for a half an hour but it's going to play a big role in this election. And you can say what you what you want about James Comey. I know a lot of the left, a lot of the Clinton supporters are saying that he's gotten too political, that he shouldn't have done this right before the election. But these are the exact same people that were praising him when he let Hillary Clinton off the hook and were saying, well, we can't question what Comey says. He said what he said. It's over. So these people are hypocritical, and there are plenty of examples of it out there of people saying basically two completely different things just because they fall on one side or the other of the spectrum, whether they support Hillary Clinton or they don't. Uh, I think what Comey's doing, I think there's more to this story than we think, and I think he's trying to cover himself because I don't really see – I don't see a rational thought process where – he comes out and does this and thinks that he can win that you know that this benefits himself personally by coming out and you know basically saying the investigation is reopened of course he didn't say that exactly but that's what he was insinuating that there there are more emails that we need to dig through and essentially the investigation is reopened on Hillary Clinton the investigation is not over so i think there's there's something going on behind the scenes where Comey could be held responsible. He may know more about the emails than we do. You know, we still don't really know anything about these emails. But he may know there's something in there. And if the FBI maybe had access to that before, or there was something, some some things within the FBI connected to this investigation, connected to the Clintons, where he thinks that by coming out in front of it and saying, we are continuing this investigation that he can somehow benefit. That's all that makes sense to me because with the information we know now, it doesn't make any sense why he would have come out and done this. So I think there is some sort of personal benefit there or trying to save himself personally, but we're not going to know that until far more information comes out, which makes it all the more interesting to me. 
But this obviously isn't good for Hillary Clinton. This this new news, these new emails. Um, we're already seeing more information coming out about Clinton's connections to the mainstream press. Uh, you had Donna Brazile, who fed at least one question, I think it may have been two questions, to Hillary Clinton prior to a debate. Uh, so you have two former DNC chairwomen basically being disgraced throughout this entire process because Debbie Wasserman Schultz already was, you know, already was exposed for basically fixing the election in favor of Hillary Clinton. And then, of course, she was she was fired, and then she went on to the she was hired by the Hillary Clinton campaign right away. And I wonder if the same thing is going to happen to Donna Brazile because she's now off of CNN. I'm not sure if she was fired or suspended, but she is off CNN. But, you know, things like that came out and all this way, very close relationship with the press where basically the Clinton campaign was approving things before they went out. Uh, all these things make the American people sick. Anybody that's really following these things, just make it, just make them sick because they realize what I'm being told isn't true. If she's done this time and time again, how can I believe anything she ever says to me? ever again and I don't think anybody has ever thought that the, that Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton are paragons of honesty I don't think anybody's ever thought that but now you've got to question every single thing that is said by them or about them by someone else because you don't know who they have connections to who was whitewashed that story before it hit the press that's what these leaks are showing and I think that really hurts her where even if you hate Donald Trump and you don't want to see a Donald Trump presidency it still may keep you from going out and voting and just saying, you know what, I can't cast a vote for Hillary for Hillary Clinton. I can't. And I think more and more people are going to reach that point, and we're going to see Trump pull a Brexit-type uh, upset in this election. And I've been following. I'm going to post this in the in the show description as well. But uh, 538.com they do a really nice breakdown of. The presidential election. They do it for other things too, for the Senate elections, I believe for the gubernatorial elections. And they have basically projection, what are the chances of two candidates winning? Or if it's more candidates, you know, what's the what are the percentage chances of any candidate winning? And I've been following the the presidential one for a while. And Trump has gotten pretty close to fifty percent with Hillary Clinton twice. Uh, one was back kind of in late July, another was in late September, and really since that late September point, Trump dropped off a cliff, and he was down in the 10 to 15% range for a couple weeks. But now, as of November 2nd, he's up to about a 1 in 3 chance of winning this election. So Hillary Clinton's at 67.7%, Trump's at 32.2%, and then, you know, Gary Johnson is uh, is effectively zero on this, uh, but enough to, I think, get a percentage point but Trump has increased by about by almost 20 percent in about a week um, as of this or according to this and I think it coincides directly with what I just was talking about how the stock markets faltered over over the last few days over this week um, you have more and more bad news coming out of the Middle East and you have this new Clinton news coming out I think it's all playing a role in more people staying home that otherwise would have voted for Clinton and I think more people getting energized about Donald Trump you know for all his faults them saying you know anything's better than what we've had 
and I can't necessarily blame people for doing that. I think if you read into what Donald Trump has said, a lot of it is very similar to what the establishment wants, which is why I can never support him, why I don't like him, and why I'm not optimistic about him being president either. But I can at least understand the thought process. I can understand why people are supporting him, why people are energetic about him. It at least makes sense. And I think that's why he wins. And we saw the same thing with Brexit. I, I said this could be a Brexit-type upset. But Brexit, all the polls were saying, Remain is going to win. Remain is going to win. Remain in the, in the European Union is going to win. That's what everything was saying leading up to it. And there were some fluctuations where stay came close, much like this. But at the end, it looked like a pretty long shot that Brexit would win, that Leave would win. And... What happened, but Leave ended up winning, and winning by a decent margin, too. And I think what happened was Remain was the fashionable thing to say, much like either saying I don't support anyone or I support Hillary Clinton is far more far more fashionable than saying I support Donald Trump. So I think that was influencing the polls. And I also think the people that wanted to leave the European Union were more energetic than the Remain people. Just like in this case, I think the people that support Hillary Clinton are not as energetic as those that support Donald Trump. So I think more people stayed home in that election maybe than, than people had expected. Another thing that plays a role is uh, uh, Remain was up in the polls for so long that probably a lot of people thought that it was a foregone conclusion that it was going to win. So they didn't go out to vote because they thought, why does it matter? And I think that could play a role here, too, where Hillary Clinton has been up through the entire process. Like I said, there are a couple times where it's gotten pretty close, where the polls have, have really narrowed. Um, I think on this, there may have been a time where Trump Trump may have gone over 50%, but if he did, it was barely. And, of course, I'm not saying this is the gospel, but they, they do a pretty good job and, and compile quite a few polls. And I think it's been, you know, looking at it, I think it's been a pretty fair depiction of movements in terms of the news and you know who in terms of the polls just following it kind of from a distance it, it, it's made sense that's why I've followed it and I think it's a, it's a good resource uh, but it was the same thing with with leave in the Brexit vote uh, leave and remain because remain was up for so long a lot of people I think didn't show up and I think that's what could happen to Clinton as well a lot of people think it's a foregone conclusion and they're going to stay home that could work the other way, too, where people might think it's not even worth it for me to go out and vote for Donald Trump because it's already over. So it could work in the other direction, too. But I think everything that we heard after the case in the Brexit situation, it's it's replicating itself here. And I'm not saying it's going to turn into a Donald Trump victory. I think it is going to. But we should not be surprised by that anymore. And now even the numbers on the face of them, the poll numbers on the face of them, are showing a very good chance for Donald Trump. One in three, where it looked like maybe it was more like you know, one in eight, one in nine, one in ten, just a, just a couple weeks ago, and that was in the depths of you know the the Billy Bush incident and uh, a lot of other negative things that came out, uh, sexual assault allegations, those things. But all those have fallen into the background with this new Hillary Clinton news. So it's gonna be interesting to see what happens over the next week. Um, you know, w- what's gonna happen with this Hillary Clinton investigation, and I mean most importantly what's going to happen in the election who's going to get elected um, I think there is 
probably more uncertainty than there has been in a while. I think uh, Obama-McCain, that was pretty much in the bag for Obama prior to that election. Uh, Romney, I don't think, had a real chance going into the general election. And I think Trump has the best chance in a while uh, to pull an upset, whereas in the past, at least three general elections. Obviously, going back to Bush-Gore, that was close, but really every election since has been maybe not a landslide, but it's been clear who's the favorite. You know, Bush was clearly a favorite over Kerry, uh, and then Obama clearly the favorite over McCain. Obama clearly the strong favorite over uh, over Mitt Romney. So it'll be interesting at the very least, and like I've said many times, I don't really care that much either way and I don't think you should either I did a whole episode before about how any time spent really worrying about this election would be far better spent trying to improve your own life you know whether it's going out and getting a second job to be able to sock away some savings whether it's focusing on how to be most productive at work or focusing on how to make your family as cohesive and loving as possible you know whatever it is that you can invest your time into would be a far better use of it than following this election or caring too much about whether or not Hillary Clinton wins or whether or not Donald Trump wins. Because I think really, either way, our lives aren't going to change that much. And I think they would both be bad presidents ultimately. So that's the message I want to leave you with. And I don't want to, I don't want anybody to confuse what I've said throughout this podcast as being any sort of support for Donald Trump. Because I do think he will be a bad president. I think just the chances that he's better than Hillary Clinton are better in the sense that he's a wild card and maybe he could be okay. There's at least a small chance he could be okay. But I do ultimately think he will be bad. But I know that Hillary Clinton will be bad. But it's not really even worth my time to think about or to discuss too much. And I'm really doing it more so as a distanced observer. You know, I am in the country, so obviously it will affect me to a certain extent. But I don't feel passionate about this election. I've talked about my qualms with Gary Johnson. I really can't get on the Gary Johnson train either because of all the things that he's done. So I don't think I'm actually voting for any of the four candidates for president, you know, Jill Stein, Gary Johnson, Trump, or Clinton. So I don't support a candidate, and I don't think my life is going to change too much. But I do think Donald Trump will win. But regardless of what I think or what you think, Spend your time with your family. Spend your time at your job figuring out how to get that new certification or how to take the next step at your job or how to bring in some extra income or, you know, how can you shift your spending habits around be able to save some to be able to provide for your kids better in the future, be able to retire earlier. You know, whatever your ultimate goals are in life, I would really ask you to focus on those things rather than spending more time than you have to on this election. And if you can do those things rather than spending time thinking about who you're going to vote for for president. I I would advise you to vote for state and local elections because I think that does have a much greater impact on you and you do have the ability to potentially make an impact in that election. But don't spend any time really caring about who wins president. That's what I want to leave you with. So I should have one of these out again soon. I know I had a couple user-generated ideas that listeners wanted me to talk about, so I want to get to that soon, whether or not that's tomorrow or sometime over the weekend. I hope that I'm able to kind of get a grab bag episode with a few different topics rather than one overarching 
topic. So hopefully I'll have that out soon. I appreciate you listening. I didn't talk about this earlier, but I do have a new mic, and this should be a far better sound quality, and I should be able to put out just you know more professional episodes with this mic. So I appreciate it. Have a fantastic night. Thank you.